Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast from May 21st, 2018. We have nine games to go through, and there are a bunch of offenses that are in good spots. I don't think there's a ton of great pitching options, but I think it's pretty easy to narrow down the pitchers we want, which I think kind of makes it beneficial kind of slate for picking pitchers, because I like the situation where we could really narrow down our focus to a couple of guys. At a start, on the high end, we have Zach Greinke at 12,100, Gio Gonzalez, 11,900. Do you like either of these pitchers for tomorrow's slate, Matt? Yeah, I like Gio Gonzalez. I don't really like Granke. Um, I think there's more strikeout upside for Gonzalez. He also has a much easier matchup um, just because of home field and park factors, I guess. Granke is usually a lot better at home, and in Milwaukee in a hitter's park is a tough spot. Um, the Padres are definitely a worse offense than the Brewers. Um, but even beyond that, I think Gonzalez just has more strikeout upside pitching at home generally than Granky does on the road. Um, the price is pretty negligible between the two of them, but I think Gonzalez is the better play for the strikeout value. Uh, I don't have a ton of interest in Gonzalez, but I think there's going to be enough leftover salary with the offenses we like to use him some. Um, so I'm going to say zero Granky and maybe just like a mild amount of Gio Gonzalez. Yeah, I think uh, in those launchers left over salary, Gio Gonzalez definitely makes more sense. In, in uh, previous starts, not as much this year, but there were definitely times last year where we stacked against Gio Gonzalez for leverage. He's just been a lot better this year. His peripheral stats are better. His ERA is better. He's a 2.36 ERA, 2.84 FIP. He does walk a lot of guys, but the strikeouts are way up. He's giving up less home runs. Probably just he's not throwing the ball in the strike zone a lot. That's probably the reason why so I, I like I like Gio Gonzalez over Granky. Granky also on the road in a pitcher's ballpark the Brewers haven't been great this year but still on the on the road for Granky. whereas Gio's at home and still a better matchup for Gio that leads me more towards him going down the list I think the guy who easily makes the most sense on the slate is Walker Buehler at 9300 I would have expected him to be more expensive in this spot. He's pitched pretty well so far in his rookie year. Stuff's really good. He's a really well-regarded prospect. He struggled a little bit in his last outing against the Marlins, but it's not quite as bad as the 11.3 DraftKings points makes it look like. If I remember correctly, he just had one one really bad inning. It was really good the rest of the start. So Walker Buell at 9,300. The Rockies are probably as ridiculous as it sounds. The Rockies are probably an easier matchup against righties than the Marlins are. So Walker Buehler, 9,300, is he also your favorite pitcher? Yeah, I think he is either my favorite or just kind of in the discussion for my favorite. And I certainly agree that the Rockies against righties um, as a home game for Buehler is an easier matchup than being on the road against the Marlins, at least. Like, I'm, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as saying the Rockies are worse offensively than the Marlins, um, but Buehler is at home for this game. So that's, that's enough of a boost, I think, to swing the matchups in this direction and... Uh, the strikeout upside for Bueller, I think, certainly makes him worth using. But I think Jose Barrios could be a better play for his price. Um, those are my two favorite pitchers, so maybe the distinction just isn't all that relevant. Uh, but Barrios is home against the Tigers, who are arguably the worst offense in baseball. Uh, it's kind of hard to figure it out based on their numbers so far this year because they have so many different players that have been in and out of their lineup. Um, they're still without Miguel Cabrera, although mostly everyone else is healthy now. Um, but Barrios at 8,500, I think is a bit underpriced and the Tigers offense is just so bad that he, he actually might be a better play than Bueller. But I, I think those two guys are definitely the two that we're most interested in. 
Yeah, and they're both cheap enough where we could kind of put them together and you could use pretty much whatever offense you want because neither are all that expensive. They're both guys who I think are way closer to their floor prices than their ceilings. Like we saw Barrios was just terrible for a while and his price got down to 7600 So 8500 for Barrios in a matchup that's this strong seems just way too cheap for me. Sam Bueller's been uh, good, like I was saying. I'm bringing up really quick just the WRC plus against right-handed pitching this year. The two worst in the league against righties. And the Rockies, I don't think, have a worse offense than the Marlins because they're much better against lefties than they are against righties. But against righties, the Rockies have a 65 WRC plus. The Marlins have a 72 WRC plus. And the Tigers a 92 WRC plus. Yeah, so the the difference there is just that Miguel Cabrera is out because that is a lot of the reason why the Tigers are a better offense than those teams. But it probably is an easier matchup for Bueller just because it's the National League and he faces a pitcher spot rather than a DH. Yeah, either way, that's definitely my favorite pitching combination to make is is Bueller and Barrios. Um, My DraftKings app closed and I can't open it up. So I'm Uh, I'm sort of thinking like 80% each of those two guys and then maybe like 40% Gio Gonzalez because I do think there are going to be plenty of lineups where we want to spend up at pitching because the offenses are so cheap. Um, Do you think Gonzalez has enough of an expected output difference compared to these two guys where you'd want to use him that much? Or like even, I guess, would you rather leave salary on the table to play Bueller and Barrios rather than paying up for Gonzalez? No, I would pay up for Gonzalez if there was extra salary. Uh, I I think that it's probably also going to be sensible to make a lot of Walker, uh, Walker Bueller, a lot of Bueller Barrios lineups. Well, he's two last names. So that's, that's his (laughs) fault. I think, I think, it makes a lot of sense to make Bueller Brios lineups, and then you just use really expensive plugs. I think that's a I think that's a fine strategy for the slate. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, cheaper stacks with expensive plugs. So I guess we'll get to offense because the stacks that I do like are the cheaper ones, but there are certainly some expensive hitters that are worth plugging in also. Okay, so moving into those offenses. There are so many just crappy pitchers. If you scroll down to the bottom of the salary, uh, we have Hardy pitching for the Tigers. We have Vargas pitching for the Mets, who's been unbelievably awful this year. Um, we don't really have too much information on Eliezer Hernandez, but I think it's safe to assume that he's not very good. Ian Kennedy's pitching. Hector Santiago's pitching. We have Bartolo Colon, Andrew Kashner. How about you talk about your favorite contrarian offense for this slate tomorrow, Matt? Because Chase Anderson is somebody who we like to target against a decent amount. He does have a good ERA, but why do you think that it's not a sustainable earned run average? So Chase Anderson is actually striking out less than six batters per nine innings this year in eight starts. Um, His velocity, I think, is still pretty close to what it was last year. Um, He's throwing about a mile per hour slower. So Anderson had been pretty bad in the past before last season, and then he kind of had a breakout last year where he had a 274 ERA, which was lucky, but even his peripherals at 358 FIP and 433 XFIP, he still pitched well overall, just not as not as well as the 274 ERA would suggest. But Anderson this year has kind of reverted back velocity-wise to where he was before last season, so I think we can kind of throw out last year as an anomaly. It just isn't really all that relevant anymore. Um, Anderson's swinging strike percentage is also down, and this year, even with the 397 ERA, he has a 601 FIP and a 529 XFIP. 
Um, he, I think, has been dealing with a couple injuries, and he was sick and missed his last start. So he may not be fully healthy, and the ERA is just so much better than what his actual numbers are. Um, he's been getting hit harder this year, too. So I think no one's really going to target him because he still has kind of the reputation for being a good pitcher. Um, 3.97 ERA looks good on the surface. But the Diamondbacks are really, really cheap against him. They have Jake Lamb back now, and it's a hitter's park. Um, so even with A.J. Pollock out, I still think there's plenty of value on Arizona. Yeah, for sure. They're going to be a much better offense with Lamb than when they did. I think Lamb's probably the best hitter in their lineup against righties. He, let me bring up his numbers from last year. Yeah, it's either they, Lamb or Peralta, but both of them are definitely good against righties. Yeah, so I think last year Lamb was just god-awful against lefties, which I think has been the case for his entire career. But he was, I remember him having like a 140 or maybe even like 150 or so WRC plus against righties. Uh, so I think with them back, they should be at least not one of the worst offense in the league against righties, which they've been recently without Lamb. So I like them. Definitely as a contrarian pick. I don't think a lot of people are going to be on them. It is a good it is a good hitter's park also. Arguably uh, an upgrade in parks for them due to the humidor in Arizona. Uh, one thing of note before moving on to other teams, uh, we always have to be on Josh Hader watch against the Brewers, and especially for Jake Lamb, who just can't hit lefties. But Hader threw a two and a third inning outing, I think where he got the win. Um, that was on Saturday night. Hader has pitched on back-to-back days before, but when he faces that many batters, they usually give him a few days off. So I don't actually think he'll be available for Monday night. Um, but either way, as far as stacking, like if if the Diamondbacks have the lead, Hader's not going to pitch. Um, it still just seems strange to talk about a reliever on the opposition mattering so much. But essentially, if Josh Hader comes into the game, the night's over for your stack. So uh, it, it could be an extra boost that he potentially is not available for this game. Yeah, the other thing also is Hader has not pitched more than one inning this year and not gotten at least two days rest after that. So if, we, if we're going to assume that trend continues, he pitched on Saturday. That means no Sunday, Monday for, mon, Sunday or Monday for him, and he'd be available again on Tuesday. So I, I think it's probably pretty safe to assume no, no Josh Hader on Monday night. The offenses then that... So Arizona, I think, is a good team to stack, but I don't necessarily think that they have—they're the team with the highest expected output on the slate. The high—the team that scores the most is probably going to be the Yankees tomorrow, on average. Cologne has been not quite as bad this year as he was last year, but he's still been extremely homer prone. And when we consider the matchup for him against the Yankees there's a chance that he could really just get slaughtered in this matchup. I mean, he has an 18.4% home run to fly ball rate. The 4.48 FIP, 3.74 XFIP, the Sierras at 3.86, really not too terrible of numbers, but it's the way that he gives up his runs that come via the homers. And the other thing, too, I think I remember, I'd have to look, Cologne's had a lot of really easy matchups so far this year. To the point where we even I mean, we rostered him against the Tigers recently. We've rostered him pitching against the Tigers recently. Yeah, um, he's faced the Astros and Red Sox, but I think he has faced very easy teams in the other games. Uh, I'll just pull that up unless you have it. I think I remember he faced he faced the Blue Jays with Smoke and Donaldson both out. 
Yeah, uh, that sounds this. about right. Um, he's also faced. Well, he was on the. He's faced the Mariners twice. He's actually pitched against the Angels in, in Oakland. So maybe he, he's had some easy matchups recently. But overall, it actually doesn't look like that's the case. Um. So let's see. Uh, I do think still. I think the spot for the Yankees is really good. I think the question is just how much of the Yankees do you want to use uh, in terms of full stacks. I'm definitely going to make some. What percentage do you think you'll use them? Because I don't. I mean, it's not like I, I go like all in against Bartolo Colon. There's other spots that I like, but I, I, the Yankees will probably be like maybe thirty to forty percent of my lineups tomorrow. What do you think for you? Well, I think there are teams that are actually facing substantially worse pitchers than what Colon is. Like, I think Colon's bad, but there are there are definitely at least a few pitchers that are worse than him on this slate, and I think Chase Anderson is potentially worse. Um, the Yankees are a better offense than any other team on the slate, but they also are way more expensive. So the prices are a bit of a concern. Like, you can fit them in, I think. Um, have you played around with this at all, trying to fit in the expensive Yankees with um, with Bueller and Barrios as the pitchers? It's sort of viable, uh, but for Judge Stanton and Sanchez to all be in the lineup, I don't really think it totally works. I'm just going to double-check this, though. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a challenge to fit the Yankees as a stack in with the two pitchers we like, so you're really going to have to kind of move down to some of the lower-in-the-order guys. And even Gleyber Torres is priced at 4300 now. Um, so I think I'm still more interested in the Yankees as plugs. You certainly can't use Gio Gonzalez in a lineup that's a Yankee stack unless you go really cheap at pitching. Um, but one player that jumps out just looking at the pricing is Didi Gregorius is priced down to 3900 um, I know he's been slumping lately, but that seems like an a very extreme overcorrection for how good Didi was to start the year. Yeah, definitely. I think that, especially given the potential for a home run in this matchup, I think that it's he's probably one of the better value plays on the Yankees. And then shortstop is... Let me, let me bring up the position really quick. Yeah, there's Manny Machado, but he's way more expensive. It's pretty thin beyond that. I think it's probably pretty reasonable to say that the only shortstops I like looking at the price right now are Machado if you have the leftover salary. If not, it's just Didi and Eduardo Escobar. So with the price of Didi at 3900 definitely a really strong play. Yeah, for sure. So I think just from a, from a lineup building angle, trying to fit the salaries in and everything, I, I don't think it's totally viable to make five-man Yankee stacks and – squeeze in the two pitchers that are clearly the best values. So I think five-man stacks elsewhere where you have two or three Yankees as a plug, um, I think that's how I would build most lineups. So um, I don't know if I'll say 0% Yankee stacks, but I kind of would want to have at least one or two Yankee hitter in every lineup, but maybe not any more than that. Yeah, I think well, the other reason that it's definitely going to make sense to have Yankees is in some of those uh, Bueller Brios lineups. We're saying maybe you're stacking the the Diamondbacks. There's going to be a lot of leftover salary, and it's just going to be really easy to say like, "Oh, I'm putting Stanton or Judge into this lineup." Like that's where I'm definitely going to have a ton of Yankees, just throwing them in as plugs into lineups. Yeah, I think the plug strategy definitely is the move. The way this slate sets up, but as as far as those full stacks, I guess maybe it's worth still trying to make a couple. But I don't. I don't think I would have very many of those. So another team that I really like for stacks tomorrow is the St. Louis Cardinals at home against Ian Kennedy. Kennedy, another really home run prone pitcher. And the Cardinals have been hitting the ball better now than they were 
earlier in the season, they really struggled for a little while. Looking at Kennedy's stats, 4.980 array, 4.46 FIP. He is generating only 30% ground ball rate, but an above average 13.3% home run to fly ball rate. And he's been above league average the last few years, 15.7, 12.8, 17.2. So I think a really strong spot for the Cardinals. My three favorite offenses to target on the slate are the Yankees, the Cardinals, and the Diamondbacks. How do you feel about them, and are there any other offenses you like? Yeah, there are a couple others I like, but Tommy Pham especially, like I think he actually could make more sense to pay up for than Judge or Stanton. Um, he's cheaper, so it's much easier to fit him in. This is actually a, a price-down spot for Pham for some reason. I mean, it's a really easy matchup against Ian Kennedy. Uh, Pham scores just as many points on average as Judge and Stanton because... He clearly steals more bases than them, and he's just been a really good hitter for the last year and a half or so. Um, So I like Pham a lot. The Cardinals are all pretty cheap, and they've dramatically underperformed this year. They're priced way down just kind of from small small sample slumping that I don't think will continue for very long. Uh, They actually did hit pretty well in the recent series against the Phillies, so maybe some of these guys that were playing a little bit hurt or maybe it was just cold weather or whatever it was, um, the Cardinals seem to be totally fine now. So I like them a lot too, um, especially Pham though, maybe even in place of Judge and Stanton as someone to target when you're paying up. Um, And then there are a couple other offenses. I guess maybe it's notable to mention the Nationals because they're pretty big favorites. Um, But Robbie Erlin has actually been a pretty good reliever this year. Um, He's actually been really good just pitching an inning or two at a time. Um, But I would imagine this is more of a bullpen day for the Padres than anything because Erlin has been pitching in relief so much. Um, which is going to make things harder for Washington. So just mentioning them as a team that I don't really have any interest in. Um, The team we mentioned before we started that I think we have to talk about is the Marlins against Jason Vargas. So they might be my fourth favorite offense behind the ones that you've mentioned, although I I think I definitely have more interest in stacking them than I do the Yankees. But what do you think about them now as a stack after looking through the slate this much? I think it makes sense to have a couple of them and maybe make like one stack of them and have a couple guys in, uh, as plugs here and there. I think that their expected output is still lower than the other teams on the slate. Like, I know Jason Vargas just been terrible this year and he doesn't look like he's capable of getting major league hitters out at all, but it's still a fairly crappy Marlins offense. So it's, it's hard to figure who it is you really want to roster. Probably Real Muto, a catcher, is the one who makes the most sense. But I don't really think I'm going to have a ton of Marlins exposure. Yeah, I think it's a team to stack at least a little bit. I think they're a good source of plugs. Um, I think JT Realmuto will be a lot lower owned than Gary Sanchez. Uh, Sanchez is definitely a better hitter, so I mean, it's hard to say that you should go with Realmuto over Sanchez. But yeah, the Marlins are really cheap, so they're a pretty sensible stack. Um, we have the Orioles White Sox game with two really bad pitchers, but I think the White Sox might just be bad enough offensively to avoid here, um, especially against a righty. And then I think the Orioles, because of Santiago's reverse splits and that the Orioles are all right-handed, it's not as good as a matchup as it seems on the surface. And also Machado is really expensive. Um, so the last team that we haven't mentioned that I do have interest in stacking is the Twins. The problem is that Brian Dozier has just been so bad this year. Like He's not hitting the ball hard. He has an 89 WRC+. Plus. Um, I, I mean, he might just be playing hurt or something, but... Um, against a Tigers bullpen game, the twi- the Twins are really priced down. So I think that there's just pricing value on a lot of them, but I'm, I'm really not sure how much Dozier I'd want to have. Yeah, he has not been good this year. Uh, well, let me see. What are the second base options? 
Yeah, but just from the Twins, I think Rosario, Escobar, and Kepler are worth using, and even the left-handed hitters against the lefty, because this should be a bullpen game. Hardy probably won't pitch for that long, um, and the Twins should get some at-bats against righties. But yeah, at second base, there really aren't a ton of choices. I mean, I guess Ozzy Albies could be popular, but there really aren't a lot of guys to choose from. Um, I'd rather use Yohan Moncada probably than Dozier as a plug for about the same price. Yeah, there are a few second base options that I think are usable. Albies on the high end, although it is really expensive for him. Then moving down, Moncada, I would guess, would be my highest on second base. I think the, the best value here is probably Matt Carpenter. I thought he was third base, but he's second and third eligible. Yeah, Carpenter's. There's actually a lot of good second base options. Um, I think I think that Dozier is an okay but not great option. Just because, he, as bad as Dozier's been this year, I still think he could turn around. And it is just a cheap price for him. He's been, I think he's been over 5,000 times this year. Yeah, he's been priced in the low fours recently. The price has just been getting lower and lower the more games that he hasn't done anything, which has been quite a lot recently. All right, so that is going to finish today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GAaronBirdDFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at PreachingSense. And we'll be back for tomorrow's slate.